Oftentimes in step families, we experience hurt. We experience disappointment. We experience sorrow. We experience grief. And as we've talked about many times on the podcast, grief is a part of what occurs before a blended family comes together. Whether you've lost a spouse and have gotten remarried, or whether you've experienced divorce and gotten remarried, there's grief that precedes the new blended family. In today's podcast, we talked to a mom who lost her son, and she turned that grief that ongoing grief into a powerful nonprofit that speaks to the truth of what is happening to our kids in today's world. I learned so much on this podcast. I have lots of hashtags that I didn't know existed. I have lots of new vocabulary because I did not know what was going on in relation to this woman's mission. Listen in to today's episode to learn more about the dangers that marijuana poses to our kids. And before you say, oh, my kids, they're young, it doesn't really matter. I beg to differ. It does matter. Kids in middle school are using marijuana. And it's not yesterday's marijuana, people. It is not the marijuana that you may have used in high school. (laughs) This is very different, very evil, very dangerous. Please join us as we welcome Laura Stack to Step Family Mission Possible. Here in Colorado, when you turn 18, there are 4,000 18-year-olds with medical marijuana cards. We have our criminal pot shop docs, you go lie and you go, oh, I got a backache. They give you your med card for several hundred dollars. It's a hugely profitable criminal activity. You go, you buy your drugs and you sell them to all of your friends. And that's how all of the siblings, the classmates, the middle schoolers are all getting a hold of drugs. So you need to get to your kid 10 years old. I know it's shocking. 11 years old, 12 years old. By then they are 11 and 12 years old using marijuana. You must talk to them before they get to their first high school party at age 14. And someone says, here, hit this because you don't know if your child is the one that's going to have an acute psychotic attack. As a result, I have seen so many terrifying videos that teens have taken of their friends having acute psychotic attacks at parties after dabbing for the first time. And that could be your child. And you need to let them know how to get out of that, how to state boundaries, how to refuse, blame it on the parent, throw them under the bus. No, thanks. My mom drug tests me. She'll kill me. It doesn't anything um, that they can say because it is everywhere and it's going to be everywhere. And your child has to learn how to live in a society that has this kind of evil in it. Real quick, though, before we start, Bill and I are going to be sharing literally everything we know and that we're learning about how to enjoy step family life on this podcast feed. So we're not going to be holding anything back. But the thing is, it's going to take us a long time to release all of this knowledge out into the world as we're doing weekly episodes. So if you are ready to kick chaos to the curb and live your best step family life right now, we invite you to participate in our coaching programs. 
It all starts with a free 30 minute call. We'll give you our best blending advice on what you can do immediately to calm the chaos. And if it's a good fit for you, we'll invite you into our membership program. Simply go to stepfamilymissionpossible.com or click on the link in the show notes to begin. We can't wait to meet you. We are here today with Laura Stack. Laura is the founder and CEO of Johnny's Ambassadors, a very important uh, not-for-profit group out of Colorado that is calling attention to an issue that is becoming a huge issue in our day and time. Laura, welcome to our broadcast today. Please tell us a little bit about uh, Johnny's Ambassadors. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Jen. Johnny's Ambassadors was formed six months after my son, Johnny, died by suicide after becoming psychotic from dabbing high-potency concentrates here in Colorado. Johnny was addicted to marijuana for five years. He first started using marijuana when he was 14. I know because he told me he went to a high school party with a friend down the street whose big brother was 18 and was the proud owner of his shiny new medical marijuana card. And there was marijuana at the party. Johnny and I were very close. Our entire family was close. We are a Christian family. Johnny was raised in the church. He loved Jesus. We taught Sunday school for many years. We taught four-year-olds. He volunteered. He had a heart for the homeless. He grew up in vacation Bible school and Christian retreats. He had straight A's. He was incredibly gifted. He had a perfect SAT score in math, 800 out of 800. He was engaged in so many activities. He played the piano and the guitar. He had a green brown belt. In karate, he ran cross country and was incredibly active in school. So this was a wonderful young man with a bright future and a scholarship to Colorado State University. And he told me that day, they all wanted to get high and try it and see what it was like. So I remember telling him at the time, son, don't ever do that again. Marijuana will eat your brain cells. That was my wisdom. That was all I knew to say to him. But I have to admit, in my mind, I said to myself, thank God it's just weed. Mm. And that was the beginning of five years of pure hell as Satan worked his way into my son's life and eventually took him. He was a victim of the marijuana industry. And after he died, I have now committed my mission and my life to educating parents and teens about the very real dangers of today's high-potency marijuana products, especially on adolescent brain development, the creation of mental illness in those children, and sadly, suicidal ideation. Laura, it, it's really interesting you tell that. So it sounds to me like as he was doing this over the five years, you knew about it, right? You understood that he was doing this. It just didn't concern you because you didn't know any better. Would you say that? Well, at the time, I had no idea about marijuana concentrates. I didn't know that starting in 2015, the cannabis manufacturers 
we're extracting the THC chemical out of the plant and then creating these new designer marijuana products that were very high potency, shatter, wax, rosin, distillates such as vapes, which can, instead of 2% THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, the chemical in cannabis that causes you to be high. When we were kids, right in the 80s, when I, I was in high school, I smoked weed a couple times and it was so weak, 2% THC. But right. now these new products can be 80%, 90%, even pure THC extracts, distillates, concentrates. They are not the same thing. I had no idea. And I'm not making excuses for myself. I am busy educating other parents because of what I didn't know that my son was doing. So at the time, I thought I used weed. It didn't hurt me. I'm fine. It's not that big of a deal. Yes, we we would find paraphernalia products. And it's not, you need to understand, like any other parent, we would, we disciplined, we tried hard love, you know, therapists, psychiatrists, medications. He had three mental hospital stays, treatments, very expensive brain treatments that he wanted. He described his brain as green poo, tracked his car, <laughs> tracked his phone. I mean, everything you can think of, we tried. And I wrote about it, wrote 300 pages. It's on Amazon. It's called The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana. And it's Johnny's life and sadly death story about how this can happen and, and how I missed so much and didn't know so much. And now, two years later, he died on November 20th, 2019. So it's been almost exactly two years. I feel like I've gained a clinical in mm -hmm. all of the, the science that I didn't understand at the time. I did by the time he was 18. And he went to Colorado State University on his scholarship and two weeks later had to drop out because he said he was dabbing every day and felt like killing himself. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I said, what is he saying dabbing? And when we went to clear out his dorm room and opened a drawer and found this nectar kit and we're like, what is this? And we opened it and saw this like, sticky brownish beeswax looking substance that we'd never seen before. And we asked his roommate, what is this torch? What is this glass thing? What is this sticky stuff? And the roommate just shrugged and said, dabs. And that's how we knew we were way in over our head from anything that we knew about before and really want parents to understand it's apples and oranges from what you used when you were a kid. This is not the same drug. It's the difference of taking the cocoa leaf and making cocaine and turning it into crap mm. and taking marijuana and having flour that you smoke. And now we have dabs. It's not the same. In fact, in the Netherlands, anything over 15% THC is illegal. It's considered a narcotic. It's a hard drug. In Colorado, where I live, you can't even find flour that's under 15%. So even right. the flour is potent. The botanists have gotten involved. And one grower says he's got flour 40% 
THC. I don't, botanists always said, oh, the plant will never hold a 40% THC, but indeed it does. And now they're extracting the THC. So there's nothing natural about this, Bill and Jen. We really want people to understand this is not nature. This is not God made it. This is not a harmless plant. These are chemicals. They're all lab made. Yeah. So let me jump in here and comment on a couple of things that you said. So you were evaluating your son's marijuana use based on your own experience. And that's often what we do, whether we're talking about impressions or perceptions or misunderstandings that we have in step families, or we're talking about our opinion about what someone else has done. We bump it up against our own experiences here. And oftentimes what happens when we talk about our situation is there is some shame involved. So I would imagine that parents who are dealing with this situation, as far as learning about uh, what hashtag stop dabbing means, what Mm -hmm. learning about the degrees of THC in these drugs and that they're not natural, that in order for them to reach out, they have to admit that they missed it. And that is tough to do. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because you're just two years from a significant loss. And here you are out there guns blazing with Johnny's ambassadors who educate communities. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you help parents overcome the shame? That's that is the goal of the cannabis industry. That is the goal of the devil. The goal is to make people feel shamed to make people feel stigmatized, to get people not to talk about my son might be having mental illness from using marijuana because that makes me a bad parent. That's what the cannabis industry wants you to believe. And that is one of their main attacks. And I want you to know it's just wrong. I was not a perfect parent, but I was a darn good one. We had all of the protective factors in place that everybody can describe. And it doesn't have anything to do with my parenting. I had a great kid. He made really poor choices. And he had access to a drug that he should not have been able to get. It is so easy. The the high schoolers here in Colorado, it's been legal here for 20 years. They can get it in yeah. five minutes. One of our, one in 10 of our middle schoolers is using marijuana. This is something where parents need to, to really go, wow, I am totally uneducated. Literally, if you are older than 25 years old, you have probably never even seen or heard of these products. But if you come over and visit me here in Colorado, I will take you on a field trip and we will go to the dispensary yeah down the road. And if you go to our website, you will see photos of all of these new designer marijuana products. And so I would just appeal to parents to admit, wow, this is not the same as when I was a kid. This is a different drug. And I need to get educated so that I can talk intelligently about this to my child and to make sure that I have appropriate boundaries in place that I get out of the mindset of, oh, it's just weed because these were the mistakes I made. I don't want any other parent to have a child that follows Johnny's path. It's the most awful thing that you can imagine having a child in psychosis who calls you and says, the mob is after me and the FBI is watching me and my phone is bugged and 
everybody knows everything about me and you're in on it. If you just, you can't even believe that it's your child and that the marijuana Mm. is causing the damage in their mind. And we must stop them from using it until their brains are formed until 25 years of age, 25, the brain continues to form. I wish marijuana was not legal until 25 instead of 21 recreationally, but it is. And we have to delay their use by explaining to them, which means getting educated ourselves, why marijuana is so harmful in the brain, why THC mimics a natural endocannabinoid we have called anandamide, why THC can click into a receptor and block our own body's natural chemicals from getting in. How THC causes thinning in the prefrontal cortex and more use equals thinner prefrontal cortex. And guess what? It doesn't grow back. It's brain damage. It literally causes structural damage in the mind of a developing teen. And if we could explain the science, not just it, drugs are bad. Don't do it. Because they said, you know, what I, whatever I said, you're going to kill your brain cells. Really understand so that you can speak intelligently to them. Laura, what, what could a parent look for? We have a lot of parents that we're talking to. And of course, as step families, kids can be going back and forth and all that. What might they look for? What are some signs that they might be missing that their child is in fact involved in this? Yeah, and it's really tricky being divorced myself and having my my husband now with my daughter's stepfather and I get the going back and forth between households and you have different rules in different households and sadly we know that if a parent is using the child is far more likely to use in fact studies show that if a mother has used marijuana in the past year her child is 80% more likely to use marijuana. And dads, you're not off the hook because it's even worse for you. A father who uses their child is 90% more likely to use marijuana. So you really have to have an agreement, first of all, between the first house that we do not allow marijuana use in any fashion. You can't even be neutral about it. If you, you have to come down on the side of we do not approve and do not allow it because you've got to have consistency in both houses. And it's tricky when you're looking at teens, because, well, teens are teens. They're grouchy. They're irritable. They're difficult anyway. They're hormonal anyway. And some of the signs of marijuana use can make a parent think maybe he's just being a teenager. So we have to really uh, be aware. Things like isolating yourself, spending periods of time alone, secrecy, not being engaged in activities that you used to love, mysterious stomach aches, which can be a cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, CHS, or cyclical vomiting, which is caused by these potent products. Instead of making it anti-nausea, it's ramped up nausea. It can be sleeping way too much, grades that seem to be going down the toilet for some unknown reason, Suddenly changing your circle of friends, memory problems, it causes a lack of focus, it causes a decline in IQ, it causes paranoia. If you get these really strange comments 
from your child, like, well, did you know your phone is actually listening to you? Just like what? A little off comments. That's a sign of the beginnings of early psychosis. So it can cause delusional thinking. There are so many signs, not to mention um, missing your creme brulee blowtorch and wondering where that went. There are some pretty obvious signs, um, but we cannot just assume that our child is being a normal teenager. I would highly recommend you do not allow your child to charge their phone in their bedrooms. The police and the detectives that I have talked with have said that is when kids are getting in trouble at night on Snapchat. That's where drug deals are going down the dark web. Uh, you give them an alarm clock and you charge their cell phone starting at 9 p.m. in your bedroom um, so that they can't get a hold of it. Have monitoring on your web on your uh, your website so that they can't get on the internet starting at certain times. Have to have that locked down. So there's a lot of precautions that you have to take, but some of those behavioral changes are ones that you're going to watch for. Finding strange things in their room, like you don't know why you're seeing burned nails and why am I seeing a spoon that's black and why is there toilet paper tube and a dryer sheet on the end of it? What's this? Why is there a burned out cigar in his room? You just have to not look at things like, huh, wonder what that's for. And of course they say, oh, that's Tommy's, right? I'm hanging on to that for them. So backpack searches, car searches, room searches, whenever they are not around need to be a regular thing. And we're talking detailed, right? In the clothes, in the drawers, not just hiding under beds. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So many of those things that you mentioned are very similar to the transitions as a teenager, that they do sleep longer, that they yeah. they do mm-hmm. so many things that you mentioned. And when I think about the some of the high conflict relationships that our parents have, that co-parenting effectively just doesn't go down. So as much as we want to say, in both homes, you need to have this consistency. We know that is not what happens. And we can't even agree on being uh, respectful during a pickup and drop off time for some couples. They struggle so much in communication. So I want to encourage parents right now. I'm sure there are many who are listening who are saying, but I don't have any effective co-parenting. That's just not going to happen. I want to encourage you to do what you can in your own home. That's all that you can do. You have control over your own home. And those are the things to do. The other thing that comes to mind too, for me is the church, because we're all Christians and most of the people that listen to us are Christians. But I think that what we're seeing, and you mentioned the things that the cannabis industry is doing, but I think society in general is trying to lay down this idea that uh, cannabis is just a gateway drug, if anything, and it's really not as harmless. It's like alcohol. And the church is buying into that too. And I think that if we in the church, especially pastors, could come down and say, hey, this is sinful. This is not of God. This is this is of it, Satan. Your body is a Literally. temple and it's destroying yeah. your body. And I'm doing a presentation for a church next year in February, Cornerstone Church, where I live here in Lone Tree, Colorado. It will be live streamed so that you'll be able to watch it on our website too. But we're doing just that. We are working to counter this kind of cultural norm that seems to be springing up, that it's no different uh, than alcohol. And it is very different than alcohol. We know, for example, from 
the CDC in their latest data in their youth risk behavioral study, we know that lifetime marijuana use is the number one predictor of whether a high school teenager will have abused opioids in the past 30 days, okay? Not alcohol, cannabis. So when we talk about what's driving the opioid crisis. We were told as voters, oh, you should legalize medical marijuana. Those poor people, they're so addicted to opioids. And now they can just be addicted to marijuana and it's going to help the opioid crisis. Guess what? Opioid deaths in Colorado have skyrocketed. They are through the roof since the legalization of marijuana. It's all an addiction for profit industry. In Colorado, 4% of our users, 4% drive 65% of the sales of marijuana, 4% by 65%. What does that mean? That means you need to be addicted. That means they must get the youth, the biggest users, ages 18 through 24, and they got to get them. And they go, oh, we're not marketing the youth. And yet you look in all the newspapers, the media, the celebrities, all of the different um, social media and everything glamorizing and glorizing marijuana. And it's actually causing mental illness. No, it is not good for depression. No, it is not good for anxiety. No, it is not good for self-medication. It makes all of those things either A, worse, or B, triggers it. We know that depending upon the age of onset of use, depending upon the frequency of use, and depending upon the potency of use, those three things are driving mental illness, a five fold increase in psychosis and a seven fold increase in suicidality, including ideation attempts and completed suicides. And these studies have been repeated over and over again. There are thousands of studies and I have them on my website and I have spent hundreds of hours summarizing them so that people can understand the science so that you can talk back when people say these ludicrous things in the church. Oh, if they're poor thing, just feeling a little anxious. Okay. The cannabis industry does not care about the 85 year old granny who takes a gummy every day for her arthritis. Okay. They do not care about that. They want to put their claws in the children, but yet they don't want anybody to understand It's damaging their brains. And guess what? If it takes us another 60 years like it did for big tobacco, for people to figure out this is addicting and harmful, we are going to lose many generations of young people to psychosis and suicide. Johnny told me himself three days before he died, he came over for dinner and he said, mom, I want you to know you were right. And I said, about what? He said, about the marijuana. You told me marijuana would hurt my brain and I laughed at you. It has ruined my mind and my life and I'm sorry and I love you. And three days later, he jumped off the top of a building. Okay, so don't tell me that marijuana is harmless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
So thank you. Thank you. Laura, what, what could we, what would you say to the parent who now responds and says, yeah, I, I do have a child who's involved with this. How can they get their child to help them? They have to have an intervention. They must intervene immediately. And they must intervene before their child turns 18. Because once they turn 18, Johnny withdrew all the permissions that we had. He wouldn't let us talk to his psychiatrist. We could talk to the doctor. He got us off his parent portal at school. We couldn't find out his grades. We couldn't talk to the university, even when he thought that his dorm room was bugged and he made the university switch his dorm room. We didn't even know he moved. You just lose all control when they turn 18. And the regret that I have looking back is when he was 17 and he his grades started to plummet. He had a 4.0 GPA all through high school. And that's everybody goes, oh, that would never happen to my kid. My kid has straight A's. Well, so did mine. And they hold it together. And some kids can hold it together, but their brains are changing in the years that they're doing this. And it will all of a sudden manifest. I call it the unraveling in my book. I wish I would have sent him away at 17 when I still could have intervened and put him in a long-term rehabilitation facility and put him in an alternative high school and gotten him the help he needed. But I didn't know. And now you cannot say that you didn't know. And you can't say that, oh, my kid is using marijuana and it's harmless. You can't say that anymore. You must get your child help. We have 172 parents right now in Johnny's Ambassadors in our Parents of Ch Children with Cannabis-Induced Psychosis program, 172. So we, we have a hope and healing group. We try to get them help. We give them resources. We, we aren't interventionists ourselves because I'm not a clinician. We have a scientific advisory board, but we have a lot of partners that we help to refer them to and a private Facebook group of these parents who work together to help each other and give each other support. But the main thing is to stop denying it. Don't turn a blind eye to it. Don't try to be your child's friend. You are not their friend. You have to be their parent because they are addicted and they can't help themselves. They must get your help. And that means an intervention. And sometimes it happens in the middle of the night where someone comes and takes your child away. And if that's what it takes, then you will save your child's life. Mm -hmm. I, I want to go back to a stat that I heard you give one in 10 middle schoolers. So when I think of a middle schooler, I think of 12, 13. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you get to, to high school, you're 14, right? You're, you're in ninth through 12th grade. And when you go to a party, the sixth and seventh graders are not going to be there. The 10th and 12th graders are going to be there. And it is a rite of passage here when in Colorado. When you turn 18, there are 4,000 18-year-olds with medical marijuana cards. We have our criminal pot shop docs. You go lie and you go, oh, I got a backache. They give you your med card for several hundred dollars. It's a hugely profitable criminal activity. You go, you buy your drugs and you sell them to all of your friends. And that's how all of the siblings, the classmates, the middle schoolers are all getting a hold of drugs. So you need to get to your kid 10 years old. I know it's shocking, 
11 years old, 12 years old. By then they are 11 and 12 years old using marijuana. You must talk to them before they get to their first high school party at age 14. And someone says, here, hit this because you don't know if your child is the one that's going to have an acute psychotic attack. As a result, I have seen so many terrifying videos that teens have taken of their friends having acute psychotic attacks at parties after dabbing for the first time. And that could be your child and you need to let them know how to get out of that, how to state boundaries, how to refuse, blame it on the parent, throw them under the bus. No, thanks. My mom drug tests me. I'll, she'll kill me. It doesn't anything um, that they can say because it is everywhere and it's going to be everywhere. And your child has to learn how to live in a society that has this kind of evil in it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Evil is pervasive in all forms. It's interesting. While you were talking earlier, I was thinking about Bill and I had a conversation about investing in a stock that was recommended to us and it was related yeah. to cannabis. And oh. so we had that conversation. I, I, we weren't a no right away. It was a recommendation from someone that we trusted and we talked about it and said, okay, so yeah, we want to earn some money on our investment. Do we want to do that? Is it really medical or not? And we didn't have the answers that you've given us today as far as all of this information, yeah. but we just had a sense from the spirit that this was not the place to be putting our money that we did not want to promote that sort of thing. Well, and you're supporting an industry that is trying to addict people. And the bottom line is there are some medications that are FDA approved. Okay. I'm not at all against the research for medicinal uses. We know, for example, in FDA approved versions, there are rare seizure disorders of cannabis derived prescriptions that can be helpful. We know that for severe autism, for example, there are very promising research that's out there for medicine, but that's when you go to the doctor and get a prescription for it. I'm all for that, but guess what? It's never smoked, it's never vaped, it's never dabbed, and it's in a very small controlled amount that's been scientifically proven. Anything besides that is off-label. It is not a prescription. Doctors can't even prescribe medical marijuana. It's called a recommendation because you can't go to a pharmacy and get a prescription for 80% THC shatter that you can walk into the dispensary with a bud tender who is trained to sell you the highest potency thing that they can for the greatest amount of profit and the most addiction potential. I would run away from anything that has anything to do with the cannabis industry because they are coming after our kids and they got big bucks and big billionaire investors behind them, huge lobbying power, and it's all big tobacco all over again. Big pot is coming after your kids. Don't have anything to do with it. I'm curious, how angry were you? And oh, I'm still angry. You can tell no. I'm furious. My my son was not a criminal. He was a victim. He he was not unloved, neglected, mentally ill. He had no physical problems. I don't know how he got a med card without my approval or consent, but I know what, after he died and we got on his computer, we saw the login for the Colorado Department of Public Quote Health, haha, and environment for his 
medical marijuana card and the doctor was protected, they don't even let you know who it was. I can't even sue for wrongful death because they don't even let you know who the doctor was who gave my perfectly healthy 19, 18 at the time year old son a med card. We have no mental health issues in our family. We have no psychosis. We even did a genomine test on him to see what kind of medication would work the best when he started exhibiting depression after four years of using marijuana and anxiety. We have no, he had no schizophrenia, genes, no risk factors. He was not in any position to get a medical marijuana card. He was not self-medicating. He just wanted to get high. And we need to wake up. This is not about, oh, we need to use this medicine for the poor people who are suffering. Okay, this is an attempt to save our youth from the harms of marijuana. And we must prevent it. I'm so angry, just at so many people at the industry in, in general, in the attorneys that got all of the amendments passed in Colorado that made this possible, the billionaire uh, funders who are behind this, the pot industry that want to just make all drugs legal. I'm very angry. It's preventable. It's 100% preventable. I should have my child with me today, and I don't. So you bet I'm angry, and I'm going after anybody I can who will listen. No, Laura, I, I really hear something in your passion, and that is that, unfortunately, it seems that the whole world is coming after our kids, doesn't it? And it seems like every evil group there is wants to get our kids, yeah, because, and they legitimize their evil. Yeah. Um, and, and we need to be more involved with our children. If I hear a message coming through loud and clear, it's we can't play arm's length. We yeah. have to know because the world that we lived in is not the world that our kids live in. It's and, so true. And that and goes- parents are tired. They get tired. It, it's hard. I would not want to be a kid uh, right now, a teen. I would not. It's very difficult. I don't know what it's like. Um, to be a teen. But as parents, we got to know that it's it's really difficult. And we, when they turn 14, 15, 16, we're like, whew, okay, I'm so tired. I've been parenting all these years. They can be more independent. And we just suddenly are hands off when we need to really be engaged, really understand where they're going, really understand who they're with and what they're doing and be on top of things. And too many parents just throw their hands up in the air and they're done. That's where children are getting in trouble. We've got to really keep our eyes on our kids. Even in college, my 20-year-old, our youngest son, who's a junior at Colorado State University. He, of course, is very anti-marijuana on his own little subtle campaigns with his friends, but he it's everywhere. And you have to learn to live in the world. And that's the real hard thing for these kids because they're never going to be able to get away from it. It's going to be at every party and they've got to learn to live in the world, right? Not be of it. And, and that's what we're called to do as Christians. And we have to push back against this evil. And remember that our bodies are temples of the Lord and we've got to keep them clean um, because it's destroying their minds. It makes them more apt to follow the path of sexual promiscuity, of using other drugs, of becoming violent, of getting involved in other things that are not holy. So we have a really bad, um, it's not just a symptom. It's now a cause 
of a lot of the evil we're seeing in the world. I really believe that marijuana is the cause. I, I agree with you, Laura. And, and along with that, I think that no longer can we just think that our innocent governments are on our side either because oh, they're in it for themselves. And we have to understand that as the church, it's going to get tougher and tougher. And in a step family, we always try to say, you belong here. And in order to have a child feel like they belong, I think that our parents need to hear this message that you need to get involved. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing it myself. I have a 17-year-old son and I'm saying, what conversations have I not had with him? They don't want you to know about dabbing. (laughs) Believe me, they don't want you to know about 420 day and 710 day. They don't want you to know any of these things. But when you ask them what they know, you'll be shocked. The government does not care about public health. They care about taxes. They care about putting money in their coffers. They are in bed uh, with the cannabis industry. I sadly believe at some point that legalization will happen nationally. And we, our efforts at Johnny's Ambassadors, there are 5,000 of us so far, are going to be more critical uh, than ever before. Our own National Institutes of Health, NIH, just came out just a few months ago with a landmark study, studied 280,000 young people in the United States ages 18 and says right on their website that cannabis use causes suicidal ideation attempts and suicide. It's our own agency and they won't listen to their own studies. They ignore other countries' studies all the time. I can rattle off a whole bunch of studies that other countries have done that they ignore. Oh, that doesn't apply to us. We're not Australia. We're not Belgium. We're not London. And of course, that's ludicrous. But yet, when we do our own studies, they don't watch those anyway. So that is not what the government is interested in. Our children are just a giant Petri dish. They're going to just let them Uh, have all of these products and then see what happens? I don't think so. We have got to get in front of this because we have a huge crisis on our hands coming and Pandora's box is open. We can't get it back in. We're not going to get the horse back in the barn. They're not going to repeal marijuana here in Colorado. So instead, it is going to take the parents linking arms uh, and a concerted effort to make sure everybody understands what's happening to our youth and not allow it. If your child is going to someone's house, you need to make sure they don't allow marijuana there. Uh, It's crazy what people are allowing their children to use and do, uh, and you cannot be part of it and you cannot allow your child to participate in it. So Laura, for those parents out there who are listening and are struggling or are concerned or want to know more about what is an ambassador, how would somebody become an ambassador? It's really simple. Just go to our website, johnniesambassadors.org. So no apostrophe, Johnny's Ambassadors with two S's, dot org. And from there, they will be able to get the education. They can join. They can watch uh, videos. They can read the research. They can do anything they want to. Just go to our website, johnniesambassadors.org. Okay, great. And we'll go ahead and we'll put that in the show notes too. The thing that occurs to me as we were talking is parents need to be educated, but the church needs to be educated as well. And we touched on that just a little bit. So this is a clarion call for pastors out there listening that 
there may be something to turn your attention to. And the first step would definitely be to go and check out your website so that we can get informed. The whole time that you were talking about what happens to the brain, I think about all the jokes that we make about teenagers not thinking and and we all say, oh yeah, it's a prefrontal (laughs) cortex and we make a joke of it. So I want to re-emphasize that point before we go that what I heard you say was it's actually destroying our children's brains and the yeah. brain cannot recover. It cannot grow back. And so the prefrontal we, cortex, yes, is developing. That is correct. That is science. And everybody agrees with that, that the prefrontal cortex, the, the first phase apoptosis forms neurons. Then there is pruning. And then there is myelination where it reinforces circuitry. THC interrupts that process. And as it clicks into the receptors, which are located throughout the brain, including the prefrontal cortex, we know that the brains of children who use marijuana, the more they use, the thinner their prefrontal cortices are. That is in MRI studies. It is scientific. It is proven. And it does not grow back. The best way to think of it, Bill and Jen, is if you closed your eyes and took a scissors and attempted to cut your hair. That is the hyperactivity that is going on in the brain. And that's why you have a thinner mind and it does not grow back. It is structural damage. Now, it doesn't mean that the brain can't get better if you're a user. It's not for, it's you're doomed, right? The brain has great plasticity and it can get better, but it is damaged now. It is not going to ever be the same as God intended that brain to be. So we do need to understand that because the brain is forming, THC wreaks havoc and you are just not going to get the results you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on Step Family Mission Possible. It sounds like your own, you're on your own mission possible here. And as we look at a little bit more of your background with your 30 years Uh, in the business world is a, you said your professional moniker was the productivity pro. It sounds like all of that experience is definitely being put into play in Johnny's ambassador. So thank you so much for your heart, for other people's children to inform parents. And we pray blessings over your efforts and that God does multiply the work that you are doing and reaches parents around the globe, really, so that we can prevent this from happening because as you said it is 100% preventable. Yeah, yeah, and and that we would be that we would be aware of what's going on in our own state. Of course, we, we try to reach you know, not just here but around the world. It's an issue and if we could even just talk to a neighbor, talk to someone at church, talk exactly. to our, our our own youth in our youth programs, youth pastors, whatever, just to make them aware that this isn't a harmless thing. And we really yes. do appreciate you calling attention to that, Laura, because I'll be honest with you. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't either. <laughs> Don't worry. It's something that is, uh, is a little bit convicting as a pastor myself. We developed for churches an online youth marijuana curriculum just for that purpose so that youth groups could educate 
the kids because we don't know. And right. and so it's okay. Most adults do not know because all we said, as Jen introduced in the very beginning, is our perceptions of what we experienced when we were teens. And that's why we have all the resources out there. Please use them. And I will be happy to dialogue with anybody whose child is in trouble. Just email me, Laura, at johnnysambassadors.org, and I will get you pointed in the right direction. Okay, and it's Laura, L-A-U-R-A. So I want to make sure that we have that right, because we can spell things a lot of different ways. I'm happy to talk with anybody who needs it. Thanks for listening and for having me. Yeah, our pleasure.